Good morning, Connection. How are we doing this morning? Pretty good? Pretty good? Yes. All right. Well, my name is John, and I serve as one of the pastors here. And as you saw in that video, we are continuing this series called By Design, where we're going to be looking at marriage and going to be looking at um, how we can grow our marriages and how we can strengthen our marriages. And I'm very excited about this morning. Um, Joey did an awesome job last week kicking things off, giving us kind of the foundation of marriage. And so I'm just really excited to be able to continue that. And uh, to be honest, uh, when I first thought about um, doing this message, I'm like, I can, I can talk about marriage. Like me, me and Natalie, we've got a good marriage. You know, I can, I can talk about this. And you know, we, uh, we actually served in VBS a couple weeks ago, and um, I got the opportunity to speak to some of the first through fifth graders, and um, she was actually working in that same room, and so we were able to kind of serve together, and it was really cool, really enjoyed doing that uh, with my wife, but there was somebody that came up to Natalie, and was like, Natalie, man, that's just awesome that y'all are serving together. I mean, y'all are just relationship goals, and she told me this, and I'm like, darn right, we are relationship goals, right? And I was feeling good about myself, and then I began preparing for this message. And then I began studying the Bible on what God calls us to be in marriage. And then I began reading books about marriage. And then I listened to Joey's message last week, and I'm sitting out there, and I'm listening to the things that he's saying. And all of a sudden, I look at all that, and I'm like, crap. I'm not marriage or relationship goals at all. I've got so much to do. So I want to let you know. We don't have it all figured out, right? I, I do have a good marriage. I'm very thankful for my marriage. But um, there's a lot that we need to grow in in our marriage. And there's a lot that um, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure out. So I don't want you to think that I've got it all figured out up here. I don't. Um, I'm a work in progress. Pray for my wife. She needs you to, to, to pray for her because of what she has to deal with with me. But um, we, we are trying to, to work on this thing. And, and, and to be perfectly honest, I think maybe one of the best things that has happened for me in my marriage is preparing for this message right here. You know, oftentimes you hear um, that, that statement about how you don't truly understand something until you have to teach about it. And I believe that is definitely true. And as I've begun studying this thing and figuring out, man, I've got to teach on this thing, it has really made us ask some questions of ourselves in our own marriage and going, man, how are we doing with some of this stuff? And we've had a lot of conversations over the past couple of weeks, and it's been really good. It's been tough at times because we've really been having to examine ourselves, but it's been really good. And I would almost encourage you, what would it look like for you if next week you had to stand up here on the stage and preach on marriage? Because that's what I had to experience, and that's what I had to go through. And I think that, man, that would be a really good challenge for y'all, is what if you had to study all week long, and you had to study God's word and figure out what would you say about marriage? In First Peter, he tells us that we always need to be prepared in and out of season to give a reason for the hope that we have. And what that means is that we always need to be ready to preach. We always need to be ready to talk about the good news of Christ, including the good news of Christ in reference to marriage. So what would that look like for you to prepare like that? What would it look like for you to study? Because I believe that might have one of the biggest um, uh, ways of growing your marriage is to actually study on it and actually know what does God say about this. But I also want to kind of give a little bit of a disclaimer today because I realize that not everybody in this room is married. And I realize there's a lot of different people in this room. And I want to, I want to say something. I don't want you to tune this out just because you're not married. A lot of times it's easy for us to look at messages just solely on marriage or maybe just solely on a specific thing and think, man, that's not about me. That doesn't have anything to do with me. And I want to read something to y'all. And this is, um, this was a post from Heather Murphy. She is our guest services and next steps coordinator here at the church. And many of y'all know Heather. Um, I love working with Heather. She um, is just one of those people when she comes into a room, it's like the whole room just kind of lifts its spirits because she just um, exudes joy. And I just um, love working alongside of her. But 
um, she was having a little trouble walking through this series, and she got very vulnerable on Facebook. And that's one thing I love about our staff is how willing they are to be real. And so um, with her permission, I wanted to read this post because I feel like um, I couldn't have explained this any better. And this is what she said. She said, Sunday we started a message at Connection. If I'm honest, I wasn't excited about it. I was kind of dreading it. Selfishly, I was thinking, this has nothing to do with me and the stage of life I'm in. Even deeper than that, it's the season I easily start to envy and always really desire. After a long night of woe is me, I finally sat down and asked God to change my perspective. I asked him to open my eyes to what an impact this series is going to make on the marriages in this church and what an impact it could make on my life if I allowed it. So each week we are challenging our couples with a specific way that they can serve their marriage and Jesus. The challenge this week is to ask your spouse one thing you can do to serve them. I decided to take on this challenge as a single gal. I asked myself, what can I do today to serve my relationship with Jesus? As cheesy as it sounds, God spoke to my heart and he said, stay planted in love. She said, Philippians 1, 9 through 11 came to mind. You should read that. I began to wrestle with the concept of being planted where I am and loving all aspects of what is in front of me right now, not wishing any season away by hoping for what others around me have. Instead, seeking contentment in this lovely time I have currently. I am thankful for his grace when I am so selfish, still baffled by the truth that nothing can separate me from him and his love, while seeking to grow in my love for him every day with the goal of being more like Jesus in every step I take. That night, I took myself out for my favorite meal at Chili's with a little molten chocolate cake and made time to do some things I really love, coffee and reading and some knitting. If you're single and call Connection Church your home, I encourage you not to tune out or skip out on the next few Sundays. Instead, make it a priority to be present. Really listen to God through it and allow him to speak into your life for right now. Also know, if you were planning on skipping out on these Sundays, you aren't alone. I was there, but now I'm pumped. So you should get pumped too. God's got a word for you. Don't skip out and miss out on what he's saying to you. And I believe, man, how true is that? And, and I believe so wholeheartedly that God has something for you this morning. Whether you're married or whether you're not, God wants to tell you something this morning. I just, I fully believe it. And so I'm excited about this message. I'm nervous about this message because um, I'm realizing the weight of this message. I'm realizing that there's a lot of people in this room that maybe your marriage is struggling right now. Maybe you're going through some tough things. And I realize the burden of that. And I just really want us to focus on Jesus today. And I want us to celebrate him. It's going to be a great day. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And then we're going to continue diving into this message. Father, we just, we love you so much, God. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name, to sing to you, God, to worship you. God, I pray that that song we just sang, that at the end of this service, we can continue singing that song because we're able to see what you did today, God. I know there's a lot of people in this room that they're hurting. God, it's been a tough week. And God, so I want you to comfort them this morning. God, I know there's a lot of marriages um, that maybe they're on the fringe right now, God. But you know what? They're not over. God, and so this morning, I pray that things are restored. God, maybe it's just one step that a marriage needs to take, but God, I pray that you do that. God, I pray that you meet people where they are this morning. God, if somebody is married or somebody is single, no matter where they're at, that they just feel your presence this morning. God, we ask that you move. God, we ask that you move in incredible ways this morning, God. Come and be in this place. God, we need you in this place. God, I need you to speak through this message, God. Please get me out of the way. God, I need you. I need you in this room, God. I need you to show up. I need you to speak to these people, God. Let them know your touch. God, let them know that you're here. 
that you love them so much, no matter where they're at in life, God. God, we need you this morning. God, we love you and we praise you. And we lift all this up in your son's name. Amen. When Brandon was um, telling me what we're going to be talking about today, he said, really today I want the focus to be about priorities, about the priorities we need to have in marriage. And he said that the verse that we're going to be looking at um, is going to be in Joshua chapter 24. And this is a very um, famous verse. Many of y'all know this, but if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can. Um, I want to give a little bit of a backstory of what's going on here. Joshua is speaking um, to the nation of Israel. This is at the very end of Joshua. And he's um, kind of recapping some of the different things um, that God has done. They've seen some incredible things happen. They've, this is um, the same book of the Bible where we see that the Jordan heaps up and the, the um, nation of Israel is able to walk across dry land. So really um, incredible miracle. This is also um, the book of the Bible where we see that the sun actually stood still um, for um, an extended period for them um, to continue a battle. And so there were some pretty crazy supernatural things that have taken place in this book. But there's also some times where um, this nation wasn't always obedient to what God was calling them to do. And so Joshua's trying to recap all of this stuff. And finally, he kind of comes to a point where he draws a line in the stand. He kind of puts a stake down and he says, look, We've been in this thing for a while, but i got to let you know where I stand. And so we're going to pick up in uh, chapter 24 and verse 14. It's going to be up on the screens um, if you don't have it in front of you. But this is what it says. It says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the god of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But listen here. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What an incredible scripture. What an incredible declaration that Joshua is saying. He's like, look, I can't decide what you're going to do. And I can't force you to do it. And you're, it's up to you whatever you want to do. But I want to let you know something about my family. I want to let you know about what we're going to stand for. Because we're going to serve the Lord. No matter what happens, we're going to serve the Lord. And we've seen that, um, that verse up on mantles. We've seen it in Hobby Lobby on about 80 different signs. Like it's all over the place, right? We're very familiar with that passage. But the thing is, and a lot of times when I go into homes and I see that passage posted, I'm like, yes, that's awesome. That's awesome that they too have drawn that line in the sand. But so often I think sometimes it's easy to put it up on a wall and it's a lot tougher to actually live it out. All right? And I, I don't want to give any assumptions that you aren't living it out or that you are living it out. I don't know where you're at on that. But I believe sometimes that that's a choice we have to make every single day of our lives. That's not just something you do once. All right? That's not just something you put up on a wall. That's something you have to choose each and every day. And what I realized is that in order for that to continue to be true each and every day, that there's some things that we have to define in our lives, there's some priorities that we have to set that allow that to take place continually in our lives. And so when I first was thinking about this message, my first go-to thing was I was going to come up with this priority list. And, and this is a list that many, many of you have seen. And what it was going to be is at the top, we were going to put God. Obviously, he's God. He should be up at the top of the list, right? And the next thing we were going to do is we were going to put our spouse, right? Very important thing. We should put, put that next. Then we should put our family or our kids, whatever that may be. And then others and then our jobs, right? And to make sure that these, these things were in the right order because so often we get these things out of order, right? What ends up happening is that sometimes we put our kids up 
in front of our spouse. Or sometimes God ends up moving down the list. Or sometimes our job, because of how busy we are, it ends up coming up to the top. Or sometimes others end up going down to the bottom. What ends up happening, we get all these things out of order, right? And so we were, I was going to look at this, and I felt like it was going to be really good. And a lot of you might have seen this type of stuff before, but it would have been a good response. And all of a sudden, I was going to throw a curveball at you, and I was going to be like, actually, you know what? We need to take God off the list. And you were going to be like, what? You can't do that? You can't take God off the list? And I was going to be like, hold on just a second, because really, God should be this entire board that we put every, all of our priorities on. It was going to be great, and you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. That's great. You're right. I should put God in all these things. It was going to be wonderful. Right? The only problem was that's not what I feel like God is telling me to talk about today. Not that these things are not important. I believe that they are. And I believe so often we can get those things out of order. And I believe it is important for us to have the right order. But a while back I was thinking about my life. And I was thinking about the things that I struggle, struggle in in my life. Thinking about the different sins that I struggle with. And a lot of times what I do, and I don't know about you, is that I begin looking at the sins in my life and I say, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. What do I end up doing? That, right? It's kind of like when you're playing golf and you see it and you're maybe on a hole that's got a water feature. And often you're just like, don't hit in the water, don't hit in the water. What do you do? In the water, right? Because we're focused on what not to do. And what I realize is that, man, I need to stop so focusing on what not to do. What if I just fix my eyes on Jesus? What if I put all of my attention on him, all of my worship, all of my devotion, I spent time in his word as much as I could, I spent time in prayer, I really, I came to him in repentance, I came to him just pursuing him with every bit of me, I was just pursuing Jesus. And, when, and I've noticed that the times in my life that I'm doing that, all the sin, all the things that are going on to the side, they begin to fade away, right? Because Jesus does what he promised he would do, where he washes away those things because we're focused on him and we let him take care of that stuff and we don't focus on the things to the left or the right. Because if you want to walk in a straight line, you don't look down. You look straight ahead. And I believe that's what we need to do in our lives, is that we need to begin looking straight ahead. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And if we do that in the same way that we're going to grow in our own relationship, we're not going to struggle in our sin in our lives, I believe our marriages are going to be strengthened in the same way. And it's not so much that we have to focus so much on have a good marriage, have a good marriage, have a good marriage. We're just going to say we're going to pursue Jesus with all that we have. And the hope and the promise is that by default we'll have strong marriages. And so that's what I'm hoping is going to take place today. And so I've come up with four different priorities that um, I want us to look at. I want us to try to place in our lives and really place a strong importance in our lives. Now, I believe that as I've looked through Scripture and as I've prayed about this and I've looked at these things, I feel like these are the things that whether you're married or whether you're not married, they can still ring true in your life. And here's the great thing. When you get married, if you're not married right now, these priorities, they don't need to change. Because I don't believe, believe that our priorities before marriage or our priorities after marriage should change. Our responsibilities, those change. But our priorities they shouldn't change. The priorities will remain the same. And so these are just some things that I feel like are going to have the biggest impact on us in our lives and in our marriages. So let's jump into it. The first one that I have, first priority, and there's no necessary order to any of this, is God's mission. First priority is God's mission. I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. This is what it says. It says, For Christ's love compels us, 
because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. When I look at that passage and I see that word compelled, I love that word because I feel like when we are compelled by something, it forces us to do something. We get very passionate about that thing. The thing that we should be compelled to do, the thing that God's mission is, is to declare his name to other people, to be able to reach more people for Jesus. That's his mission. He desires us to do that. He needs us to do that. He wants us to be a part of this mission. Because here's the reality. This book right here, it's not a book about marriage. It's a book about Jesus. It's a book about God's people, about how God had this creation, and this creation chose to go the opposite direction, but God in his ultimate love sent his son to be sent on our behalf so that he could restore that relationship between him and his people. And then then he wants us to then go and share that same message with other people. And the entire Bible is all about this story of Jesus, the story of his redemptive power. And we have a responsibility to go take that and tell other people about that. And God wants us to be a part of that. Here's the thing about marriage. Marriage is a tool to do that. You all realize that? God created marriage as a tool to point people to Jesus. Because God uses this thing called marriage as an illustration for Jesus and the church, right? That's why the, the church of Christ is referred to as the bride of Christ. Because God wanted to show us a picture here on earth of what that relationship looks like. And so every time we look at a marriage and we see a marriage that's successful, what we should do is we should look at that and we should say, that's an example of Jesus and his church. It should be a perfect opportunity for us to point people back to Jesus, so are we committed to that? Are we committed to using this mission to reach more people for Jesus and to allow our marriage to do that? This should drive all of our decisions we make in our marriage. This should drive how we spend our money, how we spend our time, how we spend our energy, how we raise our kids. All of this should be driven around God's mission in our lives. How motivated are we to reach more people for Christ and to use our marriage and to use our families to be able to do that? Here's what happens when we unite around that common mission. All right, who in here has ever been on a mission trip before? All right, a handful of us. A lot of times when you go on a mission trip, this is what happens. You take a group of people that have never interacted ever before, you put them all together and send them to a foreign country and say, get along. Right? It's kind of, it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always work. And a lot of times you end up taking personality surveys to try to make sure you understand where people are coming from. But there's this beautiful beautiful thing that ends up happening whenever people get back from mission trips is that what you see is there is a bond that takes place on that team that cannot be described. People come back from that trip that never would have um, hung out before, and they're, they're brothers and sisters in Christ, and they are so united. But here's the thing. They didn't go on that mission trip to get closer with one another. They didn't go on that mission trip with the, the idea, well, let's work on unity and let's work on growing our relationship with one another. No, that was not the purpose of the mission trip. The purpose of the mission trip was the mission. We're gonna take Jesus to the ends of the earth. We're gonna go take Jesus and we're gonna serve other people. And we're so committed to that vision. The byproduct of being committed to God's mission is unity, all right? You begin getting close to one another because you're so united on that mission. The same thing will take place in marriage, when we're so committed to God's mission together, we become united together. This is that picture of being yoked together. Maybe you've seen in the Bible, you've read about being yoked together. What that means is basically it's a, it's a farming term where you take, when you have two oxen that are pulling a plow, that's that wooden beam that goes in between them. That, that, that's 
bringing them together. And what that does, it allows them to go the same speed in the same direction. And what ends up happening when they are yoked together and they're together like that, they become a lot stronger. And that's what happens in our marriages. When we're together like that, we're together focused on the same thing, we're going that same direction, we are so much stronger. But that's not something that we have to try to, try to work on being united. If me and Natalie are focused on, on the mission and, we're, and that's, that's our focus, by default, we're going to be close with one another. We don't have to work on that. That's just going to happen because that's a promise that God gives us. It's this incredible thing of when we get to do that. You know, I mentioned before about being at, at VBS and serving alongside everyone. That's some of the most incredible times when I get to serve with my wife. A lot of you in here on Sundays, you serve with your spouse. And I, and I just love seeing that. It's so cool to see you all together serving alongside one another. You know, I think about this concept of, of what we call heart and soul. You know, our members here at the church. And about this idea of being behind people and saying, look, I'm with you no matter what. When I know Natalie's with me no matter what, I cannot tell you the strength that it, it, it makes me feel. I can't tell you how much it, it makes me love her that much more. And vice versa. When I'm there for her, I'm supporting her every step of the way. I'm saying, I'm with you in this thing. No matter what we're going through, I'm with you. There's such strength that comes along with that. But again, it's focused on us staying focused on that priority of God's mission. The second priority Humility. I believe the second priority we should have is humility. I want to read Philippians. This is a longer, longer passage, but it's just too good not to read. This is Philippians chapter 2. And I believe just a, I believe one of the best characteristics that we see in Jesus is humility. And I believe it's one of the biggest things that we probably struggle with more than anything else. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness, compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Rather, in humility, value your spouse above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Man, what an incredible picture of humility. What an incredible picture of what we are called to. And when I look at Philippians 2, this is not a, a verse or not a passage that is focused specifically on marriage. But what if we took Philippians 2 and we laid it over top of our marriage and we made that a priority, that we're going to live out what we're called to in Philippians 2, that we're called to serve one another in that way, that we're called to look to each other's interests. But this is what happens when we don't do that. This is when arguments begin to happen. 
And arguments begin to happen when we're more concerned about being right than being like Christ. Does anyone else struggle with that in here? I know I do. I know I struggle a lot with wanting to be right. Anybody else in here ever used Google to try to win an argument? Yeah, not a good idea. Um, let me, you know what, I'm going to pause for a second. Let me tell you a little story so, again, you can get a better, better picture of what Natalie's dealing with. All right? So a couple weeks ago, uh, we were talking, and I was telling a story, and I was talking about somebody that was a little inexperienced about something. And so I used the phrase that this person was a little green. Right? I thought I, it's, a, it's a known phrase. And she looks at me like I'm the craziest person in the world. And she's like, what are you talking about? That's not, that isn't anything. That, that's, not, that's not something. And I'm like, yes, it is. And so I was like, whatever. And so we moved on from it, right? Last week, we're in the message. Joey's preaching. He's talking all about how we should love our wives and we should cherish them and we should raise them up. It shouldn't be about our own. And then there got a point to the message when Joey said the statement he was talking about himself early on in youth ministry. And he said, you know what? I was a little inexperienced. I was a little green. Right there in this moment, I nudged Natalie and said, see, I was right. <laughs> and a message all about us figuring out how we can love our wife more. Pray for Natalie. This is what she deals with, okay? I'm telling you, like, I, I'm struggling. I'm not good, all right? But, man, how often do we do that? How often are we just more concerned about we want to win the argument? We want to be right. Because what happens is we become so concerned about our own interests. We want to make sure we're taken care of. But if we look at Philippians 2 and what it's calling us to, it sets a different stage. Tim Keller says this. He says, when the Bible speaks of love, it measures it primarily not by how much you want to receive, but by how much you are willing to give of yourself to someone. How much are you willing to lose for the sake of this person? How much of your freedom are you willing to forsake? How much of your precious time, emotion, and resources are you willing to invest in this person? And how much do we see Philippians 2 in that passage right there, in that statement from Tim Keller? Because if we think about this, if we, if, if we as spouses are looking at the other and we're concerned wholeheartedly with their interest, if every single day of my life I'm more concerned about Natalie's interest, and that's what I'm concerned with, and her, in turn, is concerned with my interest. What will happen? Both of our interests will be, be met. And the awesome thing is we'll also be living out Scripture. So two pluses, right? Both of those things will be occurring. But what happens is we begin to question, is my spouse really going to do that? Are they really going to look at after my interests like I am for them? But what do we do when we do that? Ultimately, what we're doing is we begin getting concerned of what if I'm not taken care of? So what are we doing? We're turning it back around, and we're becoming concerned with our own interests again. Fellas, let me ask you this. How often, when you do something for your wife, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, if I do this for her, I'm hoping maybe she'll do something for me. Right? Any of y'all ever think that? And then what happens if that thing doesn't end up happening? You begin to have some resentment. And what we realize is that all along, that thing that you were doing for your wife had nothing to do with her. It had everything to do with you and what you could get out of it. The only issue with this is the Bible. When we look at what Christ gave as an example, and again, in Philippians 2, it says we should look at Christ's example and having the same mindset as Christ. Well, the mindset that Christ had is I don't come to this world to be served, but to serve. Our responsibility as spouses is to serve our spouse, not for anything in return. That's not service. 
That's just you trying to get something from them and ultimately being more concerned with your own interests than theirs. How would it look different in our marriages if we truly just said, you know what, I'm going to buy into this concept of being so concerned with my spouse's interests and I'm going to leave the rest to God. How much would that change? But that's going to take a lot of humility. That's going to be taking a lot of us being willing to set aside our own desires and our own thoughts and being willing to trust God. The third priority Accountability. I believe accountability in our lives and in our marriages is so important. Fellas, I want you to look at me real quick. You should be the biggest cheerleader for your wife. You should be the one that's telling them that they're beautiful. You should be the one that's telling them that they're smart. You should be the one encouraging them in their walk with Christ. You should be their biggest cheerleader. Ladies, you should be your husband's biggest cheerleader. You should be the one celebrating them in public, not putting them down. You should be the one pouring into them, encouraging them. You should be their biggest cheerleader. In his book, um, You and Me Forever, Francis Chan says this. He says, because I am crazy about Lisa, that's his wife, I want her to have a great life. But more than that, I want her to have a great eternity. I want her to look back at her life without regret. I want her to be confident that the time she spent on earth prepared her for heaven. Most importantly, I want, to hear, I want her to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. What would having that type of eternal mindset in our marriages do? When we were more concerned about making sure that our spouse was prepared for that day that they were gonna stand before Jesus. What if my focus for Natalie said, you know what, I wanna be so focused, I want her to be presented so well where God is just looking at her and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Man, I so desire that, but you know what, that hasn't necessarily been my focus. And I read the, that, um, those, those words from, from Francis Chan, and I was just like, wow, that shifts things just a little bit. Not that I didn't care about that, but it wasn't a focus. It wasn't something that I was just so concerned about. Man, how would things change if we did that for one another? If we said, you know what, we're going to be so focused on our spouse's relationship with the Lord, and we want that to be as good as it can be. Galatians says that we should carry one another's burdens. H Hebrews says that we should encourage one another or we should warn one another in our lives. Hebrews again says that we should spur one another on in love and in good deeds. We have the responsibility to hold each other accountable, whether that's in marriage and the, and the, the definition of marriage or whether it's as a single person and maybe it's those, those people in your connect group or the people that you do life with. We have this responsibility to be able to hold each other accountable because there's going to be moments in our lives when we all struggle. And that's when we need our spouse or we need our friends to step in and say, you know what? I know you're struggling. 
but we're gonna, we're gonna get back after this thing. And it's time, it's time to get back into it again. There's times that we all grow stale in our faith, no matter how hard we try. And that's, we need those people around us to rally around us, to encourage us and to push us on, to not let us slide by, to not let us just get by with just mediocre. I, I need Natalie to look at me and say, you know what, you're, you're leading us mediocre. And, and we, you, need to, you need to push us a little bit more. I realized that was bad grammar a second ago. Just forgive me, I'm sorry. But like, I need her to encourage me in those things. I need her to sometimes hold me accountable and say, you know what, you have a responsibility to lead this family and you need to do it. And there's times that sometimes I struggle with that and I need her to say that. That's gonna, gonna stink hearing because I'm gonna realize I'm not necessarily doing what I need to do, but I need to hear that from her. There's times that as husbands, we need to speak into our wives' lives and say, you know what, we need to dig in more together, right? How's your time in the word going? How's it going? What are you learning? What's God showing you? We gotta hold each other to those things? Are we doing that for one another? Are we doing that for our spouse? Or are we just, well, you do your thing and I'll do my thing? That's an area that we're growing in. We don't have it perfect. We're trying to figure out how to do that better, but it's, it's hard. It takes time. Sometimes it's awkward, but we need to be able to do that for one another. So ask yourself, how can you do that? How can you hold your spouse accountable? What are some things in your life right now that you know you probably need to hold your spouse accountable to and you're afraid to do it? I think you need to think about those things. You need to go to the Lord and say, God, how do I bring this up? How do I talk about this? How do I do this? Not with a sense of accusation or condemnation or anything like that, but how can, can I come to them and just, just so much love that I want to come alongside of them, heart and soul, tell them that I'm with them and that we're going to walk through this together. What are those things? What's God telling you to do right now? The final priority bring God glory in our lives and in our marriages how are we bringing God glory for this I want to read in Colossians chapter 3 it's going to be Ephesians chapter 3 verse 15 through 17 it says this it says let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In everything that we do, that we're giving thanks and we're giving glory back to God. When we recognize that things are going well in our marriage, the first thing we should do is we should point it back to God and praise Him for it. Here's the, the, the crazy thing about this passage. It's right after Paul says this and right after he talks about giving thanks to God in all situations, the two verses after that, if you see that in your Bible, is about marriage. It's about wives and husbands. And you might be thinking, hey, that's just a coincidence. I submit it's not. I submit that Paul knew exactly what he was saying and that he wanted us not only to give thanks in every situation, but in our marriages as well. As well. He wanted both of those things to be together. And he wanted us to understand that one of the purposes of marriage, one of the priorities that marriage needs to do is it needs to point people to Jesus. Does your marriage do that? Does your marriage point people to Jesus? 
God wants us to be reminded of the fact that every good and perfect gift comes from above. He wants us to, to know that. And so when we think about the blessings that we have in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, it all comes from above. And he wants us to understand that. He wants us, in Psalm 115.1, it says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory for your love and your faithfulness. That's the type of mindset he wants. It's not to us. It's not about us. It's not about our marriage. It's not about any of these things. It's about Jesus. And we want to bring you glory in each and every situation of our lives. Do our marriages declare that? Do our marriages truly declare that? What about our life or about our marriage indicates that we are not living for this world? That's something me and Natalie, we've been wrestling with a lot. Is that, is there anything different about the way that we carry ourselves? Is there anything different in the way that we make decisions? Is there anything different in the way that we celebrate things? You know, th those are questions that you're going to have to ask yourself. But can we truly come to a point that just like Joshua said, look, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But th that statement, there's ramifications that go along with that statement. And that requires certain things of our families and certain things of our marriages. We can't just make that statement. It has to be followed up with action. Not that we work for our salvation or work, anything like that, but there is action that comes along with saying, you know what, we're gonna serve the Lord. It requires us to do certain things. So how are we doing with these priorities? Here's the thing, again, these priorities in and of themselves isn't just about marriage, are they? This is about, honestly, our relationship with the Lord. These priorities are so really focused on how do we pursue the Lord even more in our lives? How do we fix our, our eyes on Jesus so much more? The ways that we do that is we get focused on God's mission and we stay focused on where we're going. We look ahead, we don't, we don't look down. We focus on having that mindset as Jesus, having the same mindset, looking to the interest of others, walking in our lives with humility and realizing that we could just do this one right here, just work on humility, and that would probably transform this entire community if all of us in this room just decided to walk humbly instead of being about ourselves. How much would it change our marriages if that in and of itself became the priority? When we surround ourselves with accountability, we make sure that that's a priority, and we don't walk um, the days of our life without people pouring into us, and without people holding us and saying, you know what, let's keep on going. We're not gonna, we're gonna, we're not gonna slow down. And if, and if finally, that we're looking for these opportunities, when we come in this room and we sing these songs to God, that we are singing as loud as we can because we want God to know that we are bringing him glory for everything that has happened that whole week. It might have been a tough week, but you know what? God still gets the glory, right? Every bit of us, when we come in here, how passionate are we in our worship? Our willingness to bring God glory is going to be very evident in our worship on Sundays. And I want to challenge us. How are we doing in these things? There's many more priorities that we can have in our lives. Again, I said this is not an exhaustive list. But I believe this. I believe that this is a good starting point for us. If we just start focusing on some of these things, I think by default our marriages will improve. Are there times that we need to focus specifically on communication and how to communicate better with one another? Absolutely. Are there times that we need to look at certain aspects of our marriage and really try to, to wrestle through things and work on specific components of it? Absolutely. I just believe, and maybe it's too simple of a thought, is that if we just, both you and your spouse, just pursue Jesus as hard as you can, I really think God's going to bring together the rest of it. 
doesn't mean there's not going to be issues. All right, life happens. The Bible says that in this life we're going to have trouble. All right, things are going to happen in our lives. But God, he, he believes in marriage. There's a reason he wants this to be a tool that he uses. And he does speak specifically into marriage throughout the Bible. There's specific things that we are called to do. But if, if God used marriage as an illustration for Jesus and the church, he's going to believe in it pretty strong and he's going to fight for it. And I want you to hear this, that he's fighting for you this morning. He's fighting for your, your marriage. He doesn't want you to have a mediocre marriage. But more importantly, he doesn't want you to have a mediocre relationship with him. He wants you to have such an exciting and engaging relationship with him that it exudes every part of your life, including your marriage. And when you get on fire for Jesus, that becomes extremely attractive to your spouse. When I see Natalie pursuing the Lord and serving the Lord, there's nothing better for me, honestly. She's beautiful, and, I, and she's smart, and she just brings so much. But when she's serving the Lord, and when I see her pouring into to children, and I see her teaching people, oh, my gosh, it's incredible. And I'm like, man, that's my wife right there. I get to do ministry with her. I get to do life with her because I get so passionate because we're focused on the mission. We're focused on where we're going. Do we have times that we're not communicating perfect? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? That's so small compared to us going into battle and reaching people for Jesus. That's what I believe. If we do that in our marriages, not only is it going to transform this room and the marriages that are in this room, but it's going to transform that community that's out there. Because people are going to begin seeing Jesus in our marriages. He's going to see all these things that are happening in our marriages, and we're going to begin bringing glory to God. And we're going to, when people begin looking at our marriages and saying, hey, I thought you all were on the verge of divorce. They're like, yeah, we were. And then we fixed our eyes on Jesus, and we just focused in on God's word. And all of a sudden, this crazy thing happened is my spouse, who I really didn't want anything to do with, man, they're really hot. And I really like them because they love Jesus, and it's awesome. And it's just, he's done an incredible work in our life, and he's just trans and turn our marriage upside down and I can't tell, I can't bring God enough glory because of it. That's what I pray begins happening with some of these broken marriages. That God turns them so upside down that this community has changed. Other people come to know Jesus because of what God is going to do in your marriage. And there's people in this room that I'm looking at you right now and I know your story. I know your story of what God has done in your marriage and it is now a testament to others. It's a testament to myself because there's a very good friend of mine that I grew up with that he struggled in his marriage for a long time. And there was, there was some, some issues of, of them separating and everything else, but all along he pursued his wife and he pursued his wife. And he didn't allow the sin that was going on to affect the way that he looked at his wife. He continued to look at her through the eyes of Christ. And he, now they are together again and their story is just this beautiful picture of God's redemption. And now they're using that story to reach other people. God wants you to understand something marriage is a tool to point people to Jesus. He wants to do something in and through your marriage. Are you willing to let him do that? But here's the thing, church. There's no point for us working on our marriages in here if we don't have a relationship with Jesus to begin with. Because marriage is never going to be fully what God intended it to be unless both spouses are pursuing the Lord with all that they have. There's plenty of people that are in marriage and, and maybe aren't Christians or maybe one spouse is, and they might have a good marriage, but it's not gonna be the marriage that God desires for them. And it's never gonna be what it ultimately could. Maybe you're in here, and the thing is, is you don't need to focus on any of this because the first thing you need to do is you need to lay your life down to Christ. 
And maybe you realize that, yeah, I have been struggling loving my wife. And probably one of the biggest reasons is that I don't have a relationship with the Lord. And maybe you're in here today and maybe your spouse drug you to church today because they've been trying to get you here for a while. And they want to grow their relationship with you. And they don't, they don't want this thing to end. And so today you're going, you know what? I don't want this thing to end either. And so the only thing I know to do is to accept Jesus. The only thing I know to do is I'm going to put my faith and my hope and my trust in him. Because if this is a tool that he created, then the only response I have, the only response I have is for me to put my faith in him. And I want to read in Isaiah really quickly. Isaiah 55 says this, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If this is true, if what Isaiah is saying is true, that God's thoughts are beyond our thoughts and his ways are beyond our ways, maybe it's about time for us to stop trying to do it on our own, stop trying to figure this thing out and say, you know what, God, I'm just gonna choose to trust you. I'm gonna choose to put my faith in you because I've tried everything else and it seems like my life is just going to, yeah, right? And maybe it's time for you to do that. So I don't want to prolong it anymore. Maybe you're in here this morning and you have a next step to take and that's to put your faith and your hope in Jesus. And you know that when that happens, that God's gonna blow the roof off the place and you're gonna see what he has in store for you. So if you're in here today and you know, as you've heard the message, you've just been sensing this nudge from the Holy Spirit, don't ignore that. And you know, it's time to make that decision. If you need to put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus, I just want you to slip your hand in the air and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to accept him. I'm ready to put my faith and my hope in him. Is there anyone here this morning you are ready to do that today? You wanna to transform your marriage and your life? Okay. Well, then this is what I know. Is I believe every single one of us can grow in our marriage. Every single one of us can grow in our relationship with the Lord. And you know what, There's, these are just four things. Maybe you start off with one. Brandon says all the time, you don't need to take a hundred next steps. You just need to take one. So this week, I encourage you, what's something you can begin doing to begin putting some of these priorities into effect? Maybe it's just, I'm just gonna focus on, some, on living a little bit more humble not being about myself, not Googling every single time I wanna prove my spouse wrong. Maybe I'm just gonna try just doing that for once. That might be mine and see what happens in our marriage. Maybe we just are gonna become a little more focused on God's mission, whatever it may be. My prayer, my encouragement is that you'll do something. Just do something. It doesn't have to be huge, just do start somewhere. And I believe if you start somewhere, even if you're struggling in your marriage, and even if you think that your spouse is gonna do it, you just do what God's called you to do and leave the rest up to him. And we're gonna trust that God's gonna do what he does in your marriage. I'm gonna pray for us this morning. Um, if you need prayer for anything, um, they're gonna be over these doors over here, our prayer team, they would love to just pray with you. They would love to encourage you. They would love to go to battle with you, okay? So if you need that as I'm praying, you just get up and you just go on over there and they would love to meet with you. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, God. God, we thank you for your son. God, we 
thank you for his love. We thank you for his forgiveness. God, that where we, where we fall short, that you meet us in that. God, and your word says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I want everybody in this room to realize no matter how they've messed up things in the past, today's a new day. It says, your word says that your mercies are new every single day. God, I pray people understand that this morning. And they can walk out of here, not in condemnation, but they can walk out of here going, you know what, I'm going to take one step today. And I'm going to begin to fix my eyes on Jesus as best I can. And I realize things have been a mess in the past, but you know what, I'm just going to focus my attention on Christ. I'm going to leave the rest up to him. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what it's all going to look like. I don't know the end of the story. But I do believe that God has a better story for me in mind. I do believe that the best is still yet to come. God, I pray people experience that this morning, that they know that. God, restore marriages in this church, God. They're not over. God, Satan, you don't have a hold on these marriages anymore. God, you're not going to win. Satan, you're not going to win the battle because this church is going to rally around these couples. These couples are going to pursue, start pursuing Jesus, and we're going to see this whole thing turn around, and it's now going to be the story that we use to reach the rest of this community. Do what only you can do, God. Meet people where they're at. Meet the hurting where they're at. Grow us, God. Encourage us. Walk with us. We need you. We're desperate for you. We love you, God. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming. I encourage you. Invite somebody next week. We're going to continue this by design series. Have an awesome, awesome Sunday. We'll see you next time.